0: Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, the podcast that features conversations with writers of all types. Today's episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books has been sponsored by The Craft Studio. With locations in New York City, on the Upper East Side, and in Tribeca, The Craft Studio is a perfect place to bring your kids for some crafting fun graphstudio nyc.com. I'm thrilled to welcome Gail Honeyman. Gail is the author of Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, which is her debut novel. A graduate of the Universities of Glasgow and Oxford, she currently lives in Glasgow, Scotland. Her book has sold to 30 territories worldwide, was a number 1 New York Times bestseller, and has won many notable literary prizes, including the Lucy Cavendish Fiction Prize back when it was still a work in progress. So please join me in welcoming Gail Honeyman. Thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. So for any listeners out there who haven't read Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, which, by the way, I am obsessed with and I thought it was the best book ever, Um, can you just give them a quick synopsis of what your book is about?
1: Sure. Um so Eleanor is uh Eleanor Olson is not completely fine, spoiler alert. Um she is twenty nine years old. She lives in Glasgow in Scotland and she has um an apartment and a job and she lives a very regimented life. She likes routines. Um she's quite a strange character, she's quite a challenging character. <laughs> Um, and I guess the best way to sum it up is that she's someone who has learned how to survive but not really how to live if
0: that that. makes sense I love that yeah that's a great description I mean I guess you've had time to practice but it was really good I liked it (laughs) Um, so this was your first novel and it's incredible I thought that wasn't supposed to happen with first novels that they were you know you knock it out of the park like this how did you end up writing this amazing book
1: uh, well, I mean,
0: it's,
1: I'm, I've just been incredibly lucky, as you say, that that um, for a, a, a debut novel to, for the things that have happened, I've been, I've, I've still, I still haven't quite sunk in, I'm still pinching myself. <laughs> um, I um, I always wanted to write, and I kept putting it off and thinking, you know, one day, one day, and then it was, it's a bit of a cliche, but it was my 40th birthday, and, um, you know, that way big bus sometimes, focus your mind on things that you haven't done yet that you might want to do. So I, uh, I said to, you know, I just said to myself, well, if you, if you think you might want to try and do this, why don't you just get started? So, um, I did, it took about two and a half years, um, cause I had a I had a full time job, so I was writing in my lunch break, wow. mostly, um, just writing little and often and, and, uh, I never expected, I mean, my, my main goal was just, as I say, just to prove to myself whether or not I could um, write a novel over 80,000 words, 90,000 words, tell a story over that kind of sign of canvas, and um, yeah, did not expect anything, I didn't expect anyone to publish it or, or any of the things that have subsequently happened.
0: Did you
1: had you written short stories or shorter essays? I, yeah, when I, well, I mean, when I started, when I decided to to, to start writing, I started with short stories, and um, they're not any easier, but they, I mean, in many ways, short fiction is is more difficult to write or just as difficult to write well. But um, they felt more achievable. You know, you can start and finish a piece of short fiction over a period of weeks. Whereas, and, and that's 3,000 words or 5,000 words, whereas 90,000 words is a, bit of, is a bit of a more daunting prospect. And, and so, as I say, I just wanted to prove to myself whether or not I could grapple with that sort of size of, of canvas.
0: And why this particular story? What gave you the idea?
1: Um, so, it was a newspaper article that I read about loneliness. And it was a few years ago now, um, so I don't know how things are in the US, but in the UK uh, loneliness isn't, wasn't at that time discussed very much at all in the media, things are much better now, mm-hmm. um, but a few years ago what, you didn't really see the topic discussed much at all, and if it was, it was usually in the context of older people, mm-hmm. and that that's obviously an issue too, a big issue. But this particular interview, this particular article, had an interview with a young person, a woman in her 20s, and she lived in a big city and she had a job and an apartment. But she said to the interviewer, I, I leave work at on Friday at 5pm and I don't speak to another human being or see another human being until I go back to work again on Monday, Monday morning back in the office. And I was really struck by that because it was so... Unusual to hear a young person articulate that experience of loneliness, and also that it was very different to how the lives of urban twenty-something professionals are usually portrayed in the media. You know, that it's life's just one big party, and you're out every night socialising. And sure, it is like that for lots of people, but it's obviously not like that for lots of people too, and not by choice, and not by not to their own fault. It, it just when I started to think about how people might find themselves living that kind of life, it it wasn't wasn't difficult to come up with lots of different routes and reasons for that to come about. So from there, that was the seed that the story and the character of Eleanor Olsen eventually grew from.
0: Interesting. I don't know about you, I feel like some of the loneliest... Moments in my life actually were when I was younger, because uh, I feel like there's something about everybody being out and about and like sitting at outdoor cafes and eating dinner. And if you just have a minute where you're not with someone else, I feel like that can feel worse than I don't know later in life. Did you did you feel like that at all yourself, or is it was it just just me and the woman? The <laughs>
1: no, I think if you say I think it's a fairly universal experience. Um, and to, when I've been talking with about two people two years about the book it, and certainly people are, are, you know readers have said that it, it, it's not a, it's not by no means an unusual experience yeah. um, and hopefully it's not for most people it isn't as prolonged an experience as it is for Elna and not for the reasons exactly and Eleanor has for it, and hopefully that's the case. But but the actual experience of loneliness itself is a is a universal
0: one, I think. Yeah, well I think you did such a nice job of it. Although I have to say, Eleanor didn't seem to be bothered by it that much, right? I mean, she you mentioned you know that she had gone like the woman in the article that the whole weekend, and she said she it didn't really seem to she didn't really seem to mind. She was just like, oh look at that, I don't think I've spoken in a few days. Do you think she, it, it bothered her, or do you think it only? Bothers
1: some people or most people, or what do you think? I think. Well, I mean, it's interesting to think about solitude and loneliness are two different things. So I think is uh, by inclination quite a solitude person, but and so solitude is something that people choose and enjoy. Lots of people like spending some time on their own, and you know they find that energising and enjoyable but loneliness is not something that you choose it's something that's imposed upon you mm-hmm. so I think Eleanor the, as a character she's someone who enjoys she's quite solitary by nature but that she doesn't realise that she's also incredibly lonely and those are two different things because one is just part of your personality and is an enjoyable thing and the other is something that's imposed upon you that you don't want and it's not a state that you enjoy experiencing. Nice. And it's only when she starts to make connections slowly and in small steps, it's only when she starts to make connections. I think then that she has the context to realise that she's that she's lonely, she realizes what she's been missing. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: totally, yes. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Do you um you, you said you were writing it at your lunch break at work, so now I'm basically picturing you in Eleanor Oliven's like work work. <laughs> Was that what it was like, or did you
1: just copy your own? No, it's absolutely not autobiographical in any way.
0: No, no IT guy for you, huh?
1: It's, um, I mean, for me, part of the challenge and the, the the enjoyment of writing is to write something, you know different people who are characters who are totally different to you and experiences that that are different to the ones that you have because that's that's part of the whole challenge of it is to try and see the world through completely different eyes and uh, yeah. yeah. What
0: what kind of job were you doing when you were writing the book?
1: Um, I was working in higher education Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Was, I mean, it, it wasn't an office, <laughs> so there is that in common. Um, but again, that's quite you know, lots and lots of people working in an office environment, but you don't tend to read about them very often. There isn't much fiction yeah. set in offices that I've come across. So
0: you were um, so f- you were so funny about the planning of the holiday party. <laughs> that was awesome. I love that. You're like, I guess people want to get together and have fun here. Anyway, it was so funny. Um, Thank you. You were also so funny. I mean, your book could be just like how to make personal grooming into the funniest things in the entire world. Like the bikini wax, the manicure, the haircut, the makeover, the, the personal shopping. It's like you, you showed the readers all these things that we as women do all the time and in, in, in this like whole new hilarious way. Right. Cause we do these crazy things and it, it is all just crazy. Um, and I loved how, um, at the manicure, when she asks the nail technician, if she always wanted that job and the technician said that she'd been debating between working with animals or being a nail technician, but her mother had told her she should do nails. So Eleanor asks, is your mother an economist or a qualified careers advisor? Because if not, then I'm sure, I'm not sure that her advice was necessarily informed by the latest data on her earnings, projections, and labor market demand. And then you said, the thought did strike me, as she painted on various coats of various varnishes, that she could perhaps have have perhaps combined the two professions by becoming a dog groomer. (laughs) However, I elected to keep my counsel on the matter. Sometimes, when you tried to help with suggestions, it could lead to misunderstandings, not all of them entirely unpleasant. (laughs) I loved that. Um, So, Eleanor, you know, I found in your book, she often says and does these things, um, totally unexpected just unfiltered um and some people respond you know a lot of them by laughing and a lot of them in different ways like do you think Eleanor how do you think Eleanor reacts to those reactions?
1: Oh that's a good question that's an interesting question I I suspect she is equally uh, puzzled by both sets of reactions um if she stops to think about it she's—I mean, when we first meet her, she's so enclosed in her own world, in her own little life, in her own Eleanor bubble. I'm not sure she even spends much time thinking about other people's reactions mm-hmm. to her, um, and that's that's part of the it, that's part of that's something that she learns to do more of as she starts to grow and develop as a character. I think to be aware. To be more aware of herself and more aware of the the impact of her interactions with other people and and to to care about them more as well, I think.
0: I mean, I definitely think empathy is something that a lot of people need to work on, sort of putting themselves in other shoes. Um, This is just a a particularly striking example, but um, I think it uh, it, illustrates a lot of people how they, they may, unfortunately sometimes be feeling (laughs) um you also the the other line i thought was so funny was after she got her bobby brown makeover when she's convinced that the makeup person is actually bobby brown which was also funny and he said i look like a small madagascan primate or perhaps a north american raccoon it's charming (laughs) and she just says that to the woman it's so funny anyway now every time i'm like putting on my eye makeup i'm thinking about this line of yours so so you're now like
1: haunting me in my sorry sorry go ahead no go ahead go ahead I was going to say, it, it's so, it was so fun to write her um, because in all kinds of ways, but in those examples that you've cited, the everyday things that lots of people experience and don't really think about. Um, so she, she's all, it's all, although she's 29 and she's very intelligent and she's very well educated, it's almost as though she's hatched out of an egg right. as, a, as a very intelligent, educated Newly hatched person, so just trying to look at these everyday things with completely fresh eyes and think, you know, what would Eleanor actually make of this, never having encountered it before and having no preconceived ideas about it. Um, so, I'm glad to hear it made you laugh because I made myself laugh when I was writing. It. <laughs> so other, I, it's good to know that it made you laugh as well. <laughs> my,
0: I'm sure I'm not the only one, which is why it's so popular. My husband like, kept looking over at me as I like, burst out laughing. <laughs> and actually, I read um, this was the first book that I, did, I read in the car with my kids as an audiobook because I was dying to read it and I had all these long drives to and from pick up at camp and I would put it on and, and, uh, and tell them basically what was going on in the story and they got really into it and the other day my daughter was like, hey, whatever happened to that book, that really funny book? Because, you know, the accent was funny to her, she's five years old. Anyway, um, so I, I, I combined the audiobook with the reading of the book and uh, anyway, it was just really awesome. So the whole family was like very excited that I was talking to you today. <laughs>
1: I think the um, the actress, uh, who, Kathy McCann, who who read the audio book, did a fantastic job as well. She, she really she's did. a great narrator. Yeah, she, yeah,
0: that was that was really fantastic. Um, so Eleanor's relationship with alcohol is another big part of the story. It ends up not serving her very well. She you write a lot about her buying it and drinking it, and um, you had this funny passage where she tried to buy vodka before ten and said, uh, annoyingly, it meant that I would have to go out later again later to get my vodka why couldn't you just purchase it in the same way you bought say milk to wit, at any shop at any time that it was open ridiculous it was an illogical law really what was the difference between buying vodka at 10 past nine in the morning and 10 past 10 vodka is for me merely a household necessity like a loaf of bread or a packet of tea (laughs) so um tell me about why you put this part of her um you know response to the rest of her life or why did you just tell me just tell me more about the alcohol
1: Part, please. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess it's a. It's back to her being a survive someone who survives rather than fully lives a life, and so she doesn't socialise. She has no social life, so it's a, I guess it, I wanted to show that it's there's no social enjoyment of it for her. It's a. It's a coping mechanism. It's a a survival part of her, you know, a, a very ill informed part of her survival mm-hmm. techniques. Um, yeah, and and something again, without once to given away the plot right. something that can be developed and um, as she develops as a person, her her relationships that can change too.
0: Yeah. Does
1: that make sense? Sorry, I'm sort of <laughs> own own things here, but I don't
0: want to... No, I don't want to ruin the plan yeah. either. I, I, I will be very... Um, no, I think that was a good... That's a good answer. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Eleanor's friendship with Raymond is her first sort of normal, healthy relationship with an adult male. It happens, um, you know, by accident at the very beginning. It leads to this whole string of life-changing events in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you... You referenced her past relationship, and I don't know how much to give away here, and how she eventually ends up telling Raymond about the issues she had had with her other relationship. How did you decide to have her interact with men in this in this way, like the the previous one, and then this one?
1: And mm-hmm. um, so, without. Without giving we, anything away. When, we, when we meet Eleanor, she's twenty-nine. But she has a whole path leading up to that point, which we won't go into, but we, which we do find out over the course of the novel right. that has helped to shape her to become the person that she is when we first meet her. And it's and it's been if not giving too much away to say that's been pretty challenging to say right. the least. Right. Um, when she, Raymond, when she encountered Raymond, my hope for Raymond as a character when I wrote him was. I think there are a lot of Raymonds in the world. He's a a decent, kind, thoughtful, um, gentle, intelligent, just a really nice man, you know. Um, And I think there are lots of Raymonds in the world, but they don't tend to feature in fiction very often for some reason. So I really wanted to include a character like that, and I really wanted to explore platonic friendship between men and women. Um, in the context of Eleanor and Raymond, um, because again I think that's not that's something that's quite common in real life, but it's not something that features in fiction very often yeah. so um, he, his very small kindnesses to Eleanor at the start of the relationship, even though she's actually pretty rude to him <laughs> when yeah. she first meet him um, he his very small kindnesses have disproportionately enormous ramifications in terms of Eleanor's development as a person, as a human, if that doesn't sound too grandiose. And, um, yeah, so it was, it, I wanted to explore that in particular, that, that interaction between the two of them as a, as a platonic friendship. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes
0: sense. I like it. Um, I think I I can't go into all the other stuff because then I'd give more away so I'll I'll go to the next (laughs) It's
1: so difficult to talk about this book without giving things away (laughs)
0: It is, it is Um, um, Well, I wanted to talk about Eleanor's you know, the weekly conversations that she has with her mom Mm. um, and how you use them to sort of slowly you know show more of these changes with her um Mm -hmm. so I'm just asking like from a process of the writing perspective did you know this whole story from the beginning like did you did you know when you started the weekly calls where the whole plot would end up did you is this one of those things some writers like oh my characters took on a life of their own or did you have it all outlined like how did you go about doing it
1: so yeah that's an interesting question I there's a, piece of, a huge piece of information that's revealed right at the very end of the book, and I knew that piece of information. Okay. But I, I knew nothing about how I would get from earlier on page one to that piece of information becoming apparent on page 300 and whatever. Okay. So um, it was it was not, I don't plot in detail in the way that you describe some writers do. It was very much a case of just take, I had the character, and I spent a lot of time developing the character and the voice of the character and I let that guide me to get to this piece of information that's revealed at the end. Hmm. It's probably not the most efficient way to write a novel. <laughs> it might be more efficient to plot every chapter in, in detail, but um that's not how I do it. I I like to just let the character lead, as it were. Um, but it's different. Works, you know, but the great thing about writing is there is no right or wrong way to do it. So whatever works for each individual person is 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 great for them.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. I don't think writing is necessarily about efficiency. A lot of the time, you know, I don't know. It's a creative pursuits. I don't know. It's it's sort of sometimes it's about the process, right? I don't know.
1: Yeah. It's um. It's such an individual thing for each for each. Individual person, it, it, the, each process is as as individual as each person is. So, um, yeah, whatever whatever works for you, I think is is the way to go. And I really enjoyed the process of working out in real time with the characters, as it were. How how we get to this this piece of information revealed at the end.
0: And now that this book has really taken off, how like what has this been like for you? How, I mean, tell me about some of these like moments where you found out it was number one on the bestseller list, or you know, like what was that like? What do you like? Tell your friends or your pa- like who who are who are you in this with? Like paint paint a picture for me.
1: <laughs> it's um. Well, I don't know when it will all sink in. Actually, it still feels <laughs> pretty. Um, yeah, it's going to take a while to. As I say, just because I had no expectation that any of this would happen, so um, it's just been the most wonderful set of surprises and experiences. Um, yeah. So,
0: no, no, any screaming, any jumping in the gun like
1: any high fives, nothing like that. No, I think there's a lot of, um, uh, yeah, just having to have things repeated quite a few times to think, did I imagine? What did what, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> uh, or did I read that right? You know, just um, because it just it just feels quite unbelievable. But um, it's amazing. And the other thing is, it's a. I mean writings are necessarily a very solitary business but being published is more of a team effort because you've got you know all the people involved in bringing a manuscript to a finished book on a shelf so it's wonderful to be able to celebrate if a book as well then you know there's a whole team of people in, with the publisher involved behind making that happen too so um, that's really nice to 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 be able to share that with them too
0: and are you, are you one of those people who, who gets energy more from being alone, more introverted, or do you enjoy sort of being out and talking to everybody and doing the publicity and all that stuff?
1: I think um, probably writers are it's quite an odd mixture, quite an odd skill set, because you have to actively enjoy spending lots of time alone because when you're, working, when you're writing, that's only way. You can do it, really, inside your own head. But then also um, you have to kind of be out in the world to I think to interact with the world and people and so to get ideas and you know be inspired so it's, it's, a, it's a mix of, of being enjoying alone time and also enjoying interacting Um I don't know if there's a word for that
0: <laughs> so, being a writer, maybe being a
1: writer.
0: <laughs> anyway, I was chatting with a, a girlfriend at this event last night, and she told me how she had just gotten back from a, a two-day meditative retreat where she was had to be silent the whole time. And I was thinking to myself, "Oh my god, I can never do that." And I, I was like, "I'm glad, like that's amazing you did that, but I, like, I could not not talk for two days." But then I said to her, "Unless." I was writing because if I'm writing, it's sort of like I'm talking. It's just there's yeah. no, there's nobody yeah. exactly listening right then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, you have a whole interior life. Imagine, you know, there are characters you, and yeah, exactly. It's it's not your 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 interior life is really busy with with characters and voices yeah. when you're writing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all us crazy people here. But um, so I understand. Um, so Reese Witherspoon is making this into a movie. Is that right?
1: Yes, very exciting. That's very so exciting.
0: awesome. I like. I'm actually sitting here wearing a Draper James uh, shirt dress of Reese Witherspoon's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like obsessed with her clothing company. Um, do you have like a wish list of who you see as playing Eleanor Oliphant? She's like so real to me. I can't even put a pretend like a real per- an actress into this role, but.
1: Um, do you know it's it's really strange because I I know I know my characters so intimately I know everything about them like how long their toenails are and what brand of shampoo they use and what kind of laundry products they use to the wash their clothes every every little detail but I don't see a face when I write um, it's 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 a much more it, that's, that's not the way that I picture them so I'm I'm genuinely I've generally got a completely open mind about who might be cast in the various roles um, and it'll be just so interesting and so exciting to, to see that happen Totally
0: that's exciting um, and do you have any more books you're thinking of writing or are you just gonna coast on this one for a while which would no, be I'm, totally I'm justified? Like, um, um, <laughs> sorry No, no, I said, do you have any other
1: books you're thinking of writing, or...? I'm working on a a new book right now, right in the middle of it, so um, I loved writing Elmiel and and, um, the characters and the voices in that book, but I'm really enjoying working on something new and different right now, so um, watch this space, I guess.
0: Okay, well I will, I I absolutely will. Um, And for any aspiring novelists who are sitting... At their computers on their lunch break, <laughs> debating if they should try to write the next great American novel. Um, what advice would you would you give them?
1: Oh gosh, that's so difficult. I mean, I guess it, it, this is hardly a new piece of advice. Um, it's a very it's very frequently cited, but I, I, personally, I think the best thing is just to read as much as you can and to read as widely as you can because. Um, that's when you're reading other people's work, whether it what, regardless of what genre it is Read outside of your own genre. Read very widely because whatever you read, you're subconsciously absorbing how to do things well. How when things don't work, why aren't they working? Um, yeah, I'm just to say that it's not. Sorry, it's not. A, it's not a new piece of advice, okay. but I, I do think it's. It's tried and tested, and it's frequently cited for a reason. I think reading, and really widely reading as well, is, is, is one of the best things that you can do.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all your time today. I really, really appreciate it. I um, feel like I'm talking to a major celebrity because I just thought huh. your book was so amazing. So um, thank you so much for talking to me and for being on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.
1: My absolute pleasure. It's been lovely to talk to you too, Debbie.
0: All right. Well, take care. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. This episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books has been sponsored by The Craft Studio, with locations on the Upper East Side and in Tribeca. The Craft Studio is the perfect place to take your kids for all your crafting needs. (laughs) CraftStudioNYC.com